where we plant the seeds of change. I'm Karen Olson Johnson, and we have a very interesting show today. But, you know, before we launch into that, I, it's nice to be back. Yeah, and I'm, I'm Laura Hedlund. I'm, uh, I'm a person who loves this quote from E.O. Wilson. We need the unrelenting application of reason, a basic sense of kindness, and an understanding of who we are. We need a sane, kind, living economy. And today's show is all about young farmers forging new paths, ways of intersectionality. Oh, intersectionality, interconnectedness, all of it. I was listening to Robert Pilot on the way, and they were talking about wolves and the interconnectedness of the entire ecosystem. You know, that's, 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 that is that's a big umbrella for everything that we're talking about. Um, so we, we are live today, and we welcome your calls at 942-942-946-6205. And good morning, Sam, behind the window. Hi, Sam. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. And so um, joining us by phone is uh, Graham Merriweather, and he showed his uh, new movie, Farmers for America, this week at the University of Minnesota. Um, you can get his uh, his website is leaveitbetter.com. Also joining by, uh, by phone will be Kelsey Love, and she's a young farmer um, in the Minnesota area. Heirloomista. Isn't that a cool name? That is fun. Heirloomista. Very... And in studio with us is Eric Sanarud. And boy, Eric, it's been a while. <laughs> it's great to be back, guys. Yeah. So, Eric, I love I love the way the National Farmers Union describes you. You're a farmer, thinker, entrepreneur. You're co-founder and CEO of Mighty Axe Hops, um, and a specialty Minnesota hop farm that you founded on your fourth generation family farm. And cool, your first collection of poetry. Keep your eye out. Wow. I had no idea you were a poet. No oh, idea. Me neither. <laughs> Well, you know, we don't know a lot about people. We don't walk in their shoes, do we? No. Poetry. No. How long have you been into poetry? Uh, it's Well, that was like a, three years ago when I was first getting into farming. Poetry was really, really helpful for me in handling the emotional and social challenges of like really changing your lifestyle, you know. Wow. So, uh, wow. And when last ridiculous. we talked to you, were on this uh, quest for more land. And more, right. and more hops and all of that. And how'd that work out for you? It's worked out. Mighty Axe <laughs> Hops. We've got our, our new facility and our new farm up and running in Foley. And, um, you know, at this scale, we're really going to be able to provide local hops for, for folks here in Minnesota. We're excited about that. Okay, and the Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Journal um, had you a 40 under 40 and uh, one of the top 35 young entrepreneurs, and you are a member of the Minneapolis Hub of Global Shapers, a UDEL scholar, and a fellow of the future. Those are oh, pretty... Oh, wow, wow. Aren't that, that... How do you feel being all those things? Really, <laughs> really being a farmer is really number one, and, you know, being a, a, you know, an organizer and someone who cares is number two, and all that other stuff is, you know, cute, cute little dressing on the tree or whatever. Yeah. So, Eric, as a young farmer, Hobbs in Minnesota, you had to at some point, you know, because that's what this film is all about, Farmers for America and, the, and young farmers getting into it, you had to make this decision, you know, this, this, this leap, you know, or leap of yeah. faith, you know, deciding to change, deciding to go into this. You know, can you talk a little bit about your story and, and you know, what led you down this path? I mean, the decision to get into farming and to even be at the point where I can call myself a farmer uh, has been a long journey. And especially as someone who didn't grow up on a farm and didn't grow up in a farming community, which is this, the story that over 75% of other young farmers in this country share, uh, it's a radical change. It's a totally different community. It's a totally different way of living. And um, 
you really need, I think, most importantly, is a social structure, a social network, whether that's your partner, your family, uh, a group of friends, or a group of other farmers, like through Farmers Union or through Young Farmers Coalition. Those are spaces where you can find that this, the, the social strength to be able to, to, to move through such a dramatic uh, lifestyle change. So, Graham, I want to bring you on right now. You've just produced a movie called Farmers for America. How would you describe that movie? Hello, Graham. Yeah, the average age of the U.S. farmer is 60 years old. Half of America's farmland is going to change hands in the next 12 years. Let's repeat this. So everyone uh, this that are, I'm going to, I'm going to repeat that fact a couple <laughs> times, Graham, because that is so important that we really incorporate that in our food thinking. The average age of farmers is 60, and half of our farmland in U.S. is expected to change hands. Yeah, that's never happened in peacetime in the history of the world. Okay, so in your movie, you use the phrase, the plundered economic model. What did you mean by that? Well, the word I used was plunderbund. And I spent a lot of time, it's spelled P-L-U-N-D-E-R-B-U-N-D. And while I was writing that line, I spent a lot of time, it's funny that Eric's a poet, because I actually was a creative writing poetry major, uh, and I spent a lot of time uh, with a thesaurus as I was writing that line, looking through for the for what I felt was the perfect word, because I wouldn't use a word like plunder, because that that's too uh, judgy for me, but plunderbund had the right mix of saying what it was and then having a little bit of humor as well. So, Graham, uh, Farmers for America, you know, the the word choice, I think, is really interesting because this, it implies, you know, that there's a relationship there, Farmers for America. And there are some real concerns going forward that, you know, 300 million people in this country, you know, you know need to be fed. And where is this food coming from? So the, the question, one of the big questions I think this film addresses is food system resiliency. You know, what, what is our food system resiliency in this country? Well, currently we have a system that, that we asked for, uh, which is that we asked for the 99-cent menu. Uh, we, you know, we, back in the 1950s, most people just said food is food, so let's spend as little food as possible on our – let's spend as little money as possible on our food. And so we put an entire agricultural system in place that was centered around making food as plentiful and as cheap as possible, and the American farmer has delivered. Uh, so now we're changing our minds, and we're realizing that when food is incredibly plentiful and efficient, often it's not healthy. Right, and so the American consumer is asking for something different. Okay, so for instance, there's a billion pounds of pesticides used on our farmland, and that is causing brain damage. But our economic system only thinks about calories and dollars. It doesn't, it's not very kind and sane. So would you consider, uh, let me ask you that question. Is the current farm system um, sane? Eric, do you want to jump in there? You're kind of laughing. Yeah. Uh, Graham, hey, how you doing? Uh, I, I, would, I, would, I would say that it is insane. Um, and I think that maybe we uh, asked for this is 
I don't know who that we is, but I think um, it, it was a long time ago, and now I think we, we really have a system that's that's maintained and decisions are made for not the we. I don't believe we've had um, very sane farm policy from the point of view of the average farmer for a very long time. And from that same point of view, I don't believe we've had a food policy, a coherent food policy truly ever. But from the point of view of the average consumer, I don't, I don't think this is a sane system either. Um, it, 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 it truly is something that is, as a lot of our other spaces, is geared towards um, supporting the very wealthy who participate in providing the structure for the system to exist. So part of it, this Farmers for America, the film, is looking at that system and trying to figure out what are the methods that we can use to unwind it or to use, you know, some other terminology to, to bring in the young, the youth, right, that are going to replace these 60-year-old farmers and what is it that they're going to be doing so that we can move this system forward. Those are big questions, very big questions. And Graham, this, the, your film, Farmers for America, is trying to answer those questions. So tell our listeners a little bit about the film itself and, and what it is that, that you try to accomplish with this documentary. Well, basically, we're looking at agriculture from the 1950s until today. Uh, and for the most part, we're focused on today and we're focused on solutions. So most farmers in rural America have a really hard time getting started. And the reason for that is because the cost of land is really high. The cost of equipment is really high. And so what we focus on in the film is we, we show some stories about some young people who are facing those challenges. And then we show a lot of people who are coming up with new and innovative ways to get around those, those challenges. So there's lots of really interesting things happening with land uh, in Minnesota. There's a really cool law that gives tax breaks to people who decide to sell or rent land to young people. Yeah, so we, we got about a minute uh, left so, in this. Yeah, I mean, Graham, we're, we're going to take a little bit of a break because we got about a minute left, but I do want Graham, I do want um, uh, Eric to jump in here and talk about those tax credits. Graham, you said the magic word. You're talking, <laughs> about, you're talking about the beginning farmer tax credit. You win for the the award for the half-hour show ding, for ding, saying ding, that ding, ding, ding. Yeah. <laughs> um, That is something that the state of Minnesota passed this year. And if you are a landowner and you sell or rent that land to a beginning farmer who's been farming for 10 years or less, you get a state income tax break. This is the first law in the country to say, to, to incentivize using an income ta tax credit system the transition of land from the current generation to the next. We cannot underscore that enough. Yay. That's so Yay. great. The average age of farmers is 60. Half of the farmland will turn over. Who's going to own it? China or we? <laughs> or yeah. we. The oligarchs or us? You're listening us. to Food Freedom Radio, and we're talking about the film Farmers for America. As always, we welcome your calls, 952-946-6205. Tap, taste, and treasure at Vinaigrette, where we have some warm seasonal recipes all ready to create dynamite meals. Our fig balsamic vinegar pairs perfectly with roasted Brussels sprouts or baked brie. 
and sweet potatoes are always a winner, but never more than when they're roasted with a drizzle of vinaigrette cinnamon or orange-fused extra virgin olive oil on top. Come in today for more custom-crafted food and cocktail recipes at Vinaigrette, 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis, and 287 Water Street in downtown Excelsior. Online at vinaigrettemn.com. Six years ago, Dr. Emily Stein was confronted with a life-changing situation. Her grandmother developed rheumatoid arthritis and was unable to maintain her own dental hygiene. Unfortunately, her assisted living facility didn't have the resources to help her maintain her dental health either. Once her dental health deteriorated, her overall health deteriorated too. It wasn't long until she had multiple tooth extractions and a severe stroke. That's when Emily put her Stanford background in microbiology and immunology to work. She created an oral care lozenge, or Smart Mint, that manages oral bacteria to promote strong teeth, healthy gums, and fresh breath. Daily Dental Care is a life sciences company dedicated to addressing public health by targeting the root cause of dental disease. Because let's face it, we all could use a little extra help supplementing our daily dental care routine. Visit dailydentalcareswithans.com or go to Amazon to purchase our lozenges and use promo code DDC95502 for a 25% discount on your first purchase. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Daily dental care lozenges are not intended to replace daily dental hygiene practices. Downtown or Woodfire Grill in St. Paul is a perfect choice for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Offering daily fresh seafood specials, fire-roasted meats, exquisite pizza, and half-price bottles of wine on Mondays and Tuesdays, except on Excel Energy Center event nights. Once you experience their cozy fireside dining, extensive wine list, and bar, you'll be back for more. Gift certificates available, located at 253 West 7th Street with plenty of free parking, or online at downtownerwoodfire.com. This is Gregory Rich from Habitation Furnishing and Design. Whether you love Sunday evenings or you see them as the downward slide into the work week, you could probably use a drink. That's why I'd like to invite you to tune into a new program called Drink in the Style. Beginning Sunday, March 4th at 5 p.m., Drink in the Style will be one hour of interior design and small business conversation, all while enjoying cocktails created by a local mixologist. Drink in the Style, starting March 4th and brought to you by Habitation Furnishing and Design. Hi, Matt McNeil for my favorite Toyota, the Sienna from Rudy Luther Toyota. It's the most amazing vehicle I've ever owned. It's so good, after a decade of driving one, I just bought my second one. Roomy seats the entire family and their friends and the dog. The safety features, the entertainment system, the fuel economy. Siennas are fantastic vehicles. I will likely own a Sienna as long as I'm driving. See for yourself by test driving the ultimate family vehicle, the Sienna at Rudy Luther Toyota. The southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. So welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund with Karen Olson-Johnson, and we are live. Our call-in number is 952-946-6205. We're very pleased to have in studio with us Eric Sandrud, and he's the co-founder of Mighty Axe Hops. Also on phone is Graham, and Graham has a new movie out, Farmers for America. And joining us by phone right now is Kelsey Love of Young Farmer. Uh, and she was and, featured on the panel because um, Graham showed the movie on at the University of Minnesota this weekend. And she's a young farmer. Her website is heirloomista. I love that. Heirloomista.com, a biodynamic farmer and also a seed saver. Welcome to the show, Kelsey. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So you are the movie. Right? No, no, no. You were you were on the panel. Oh, I know, but, but you are the movie. You are the young farmer. You are tomorrow. I'm one of, you one are... of the young farmers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Kelsey. 
Well, I, I grow heirloom vegetables. I kind of fell into that because I think they're so fascinating and beautiful. And I just kind of looked into that more and more and um, fell into biodynamics. And it's just a really different way of farming. And it's, it's kind of like a holistic approach to farming. And that's something I feel is really important. And where we're at right now with agriculture, I think everything is kind of so fractionated and with the monoculture and it's, it's not good for the earth. It's not good for people. It's not good for animals. So I'm trying to find a different way to do things where I feel like I can make the change I want to see in the world. And for me, that's seed saving and biodynamics. That, that, I took my first biodynamic class and now I look at the moon very differently. For someone who's never heard that phrase, how would you describe biodynamics? Um, well, I think the big thing for me is, like I said, it's a holistic approach to agriculture. Um, and the big thing for me is being a biodynamic farmer. I like to think in terms of um, processes, energies, and forces, maybe things that I, I cannot touch or see, but I know they're there. And I think, you know, you mentioned the moon planting. We plant by the moon. And, you know, we have the tides that work with the moon. They're so connected. We can't really see that per se, but there are things that are happening that represent that is a thing and it does happen and it does affect, you know, daily life. So, um, on the short answer, I guess that's my that's answer. Great answer. <laughs> so, but now you've actually, you've actually bought farmland and that was a big struggle and, and you're starting a new business. You're starting a new farming business. I am. I bought land last fall. So unfortunately the person I bought it from doesn't get that tax credit because I, I did it in the end of last year. But, um, yeah, I'm going to be farming full-time this year. It's something I've always wanted to do, and I haven't been able to do it full-time. So this is the year. I'm, I'm really excited. And a young farmer, you know, with a website, right? I mean, there's all these yeah. applications that you're using right now. Heirloomista.com. Right. What's the story you're trying to tell? The story I'm trying to tell? Well, mm -hmm. I guess I, I just really like heritage and the story um, – the stories, I guess for me, it's the stories that the seeds come with and where they came from and the people that were stewards of the land before me and before, you know, kind of the process of everything coming to be. And I feel like we're losing that um, in today's agriculture, society, all things related. We're just, things have really shifted. And um, maybe I'm stuck in the past, but I... I really love what <laughs> I you like, just said, Kelsey, and I'd like to, I bet Graham does too. Graham, do you want to pop yeah. in here and reflect on what Kelsey just said about heritage because your movie sure speaks to that in a very eloquent way. Graham? Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, the, I feel like you know, the, the, our next agriculture is is very much about it's about finding a way to to celebrate our, our previous heritage and also to incorporate our our efficiencies and our our current agriculture and combine that into into something new um, and, and you know what what Chelsea is doing with uh, with Herlamista is Herlamista is, is really cool because I mean that's that's all about um, it's all it's all about the idea that you know, that each Seed is unique. Each crop is unique, and that 
each person is unique. I, I think sort of a lot of this stuff is very, it's, it's very existential. It's very big. Uh, and, and when you get to the point where you could be plopped down in, in a city uh, anywhere in a suburb across America and you couldn't tell where you are because all the stores are the same brands, uh, it's getting to the same point with, you know, with our seeds where, you know, everything's the same. There's really no, there's no unique story. And so I think with the seed is starting at the source. And so, you know, to, to really try to make each place have its own culture and its own regionality. I mean, one of the stories we tell in the film is this very beautiful community in West Virginia that has managed to sort of maintain their story and their heritage over over many 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 generations, um, and and for me, what's really exciting is to see as the local food movement takes off, each of these regions across the country start to identify and have their own story and have their own heritage and their own seeds and 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 really find what works best for that climate and that that culture and that place, and then we can reach a place where instead of our food being the same in every food court across the country, you know, our seeds are different, our food is different, our recipes are different, our conversations are different, and that's actually the thing that that unites us. It's one of the reasons that I think, Graham, you know, traveling is so dynamic is because you go to different places, especially if you get into where the locals are and you're eating local food, you know, that has been grown locally. You know, no, no matter where you are in the world, that experience of, of localness is so tied to food and so tied to and so tied to what is happening right there with those people who are growing and gardening and cooking and all of that. And that's the big essence of, I think, what we've lost in this monoculture society that we're living in right now is that experience. And, and we've lost a, a big piece of our humanity in losing that experience. Eric? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, you know, this sense of, of uh, you know, if, if the way we've treated our food and our agriculture is basically that the only thing that matters is the money. And so, and again, I don't want to, I, I want to criticize systems here. I, I have so many friends who are large-scale, you know, corn and bean farmer and have huge hog barns and things like that. They're good people. The system we've set up is totally centered around money. And when you set up a system totally centered on money, you lose all of the individuality, you lose all of the character, you lose all of the uniqueness. Uh, and so that there's our environment and then the, the food that we get from the environment and then our culture, which we get from our food. And so... So, Graham, we're going to need to take another break. Culture, you have to change the food. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Graham, we're going to take another break. But when at the end of the film, you said something very interesting, that this is really an opportunity for change, too, because a lot of the farmers in the area are kind of getting a little fed up, especially, I mean, or, or depressed. It, it's a tough time for farmers in, in America right now, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking more about that. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, The Progressive Voice. Did you know that tooth decay is the most common disease in America and that over half the American population has some form of periodontal disease? Simply brushing and flossing don't seem to be enough. 
The abundant bacteria in your mouth thrive off sugar to produce acid and plaque. But what if you could actually prevent bacteria from converting sugar into the harmful byproducts responsible for tooth decay and periodontal disease? Daily Dental Care is a life sciences company that leverages our microbiology expertise to create oral care products that promote strong teeth, healthy gums, and fresh breath. Our lozenges safely and effectively neutralize harmful bacteria and their disease-causing byproducts like acid and plaque without harming health-promoting bacteria that guard your mouth against the destruction that sugar causes. Supplement your daily dental hygiene routine with our convenient dental lozenges. Go to dailydentalcareswithans.com or Amazon to purchase and use promo code DDC95001 at checkout for a 25% discount on your first purchase. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Daily dental care lozenges are not intended to Replace daily dental hygiene practices. Kevin Ross here, inviting you to our brand new store called Ambibulous. What does Ambibulous mean? It means one who enjoys alcoholic beverages of all sorts. Ambibulous is a Minnesota maker's market. Unlike traditional liquor stores, we feature only craft beer, wine, and spirits made here in Minnesota. We are ready to guide your selections, where you can build your own four or six packs. Find us at 949 Hennepin Avenue East in Northeast Minneapolis or online at ambibulousmn.com. Have you got your tickets yet for the Blue State Ball? Time is running out. They're going fast. Hi, it's Mike McEntee. I plan to be at the Blue State Ball on March 10th. Will you be there? Norman Goldman will be. So will Tom Hartman, who will be signing his books. So will our own Matt McNeil, Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry, gubernatorial candidate Rebecca Otto, Paul Metza from AM 950's Wall of Power Radio Hour will be playing the music for a jamming good time. Food from D'Amico, Minnesota Food Drinks from Obibulus, you won't want to miss it. Mark your calendar now for March 10th at the Blaisdell. VIP reception with hors d'oeuvres and a hosted bar at 5.30 p.m. and general admission at 7 p.m. And then get set for some inspirational speeches from some great speakers. It's made possible with the help of our sponsors, Howling for Wolves, Common Good Books, and Northern Sun. So go to am950radio.com right now and get your tickets for the Blue State Ball. See you there. With all the convenient big box stores that sell appliances, why do so many Minnesotans choose Warner Stellion? Check online to learn that Warner Stellion is a Minnesota family-owned business for over 60 years. Warner Stellion sells more brands than anyone else, and our passionate specialists are committed to impressing you so much that you'll refer us to everyone you know. That's our mission here at Warner Stellion. Ask around, check us out online, and when it's your time to buy appliances, join over 300,000 Minnesota homeowners and choose the specialists, Warner Stellion. With your AM950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Today will be mostly sunny with a high near 49, turning to clouds tonight with a low near 37. Tomorrow there's a chance of drizzle with a high near 45, and Monday we could see rain and snow with a high near 36. The Eat Local Minnesota Restaurant of the Week is Victor's 1959 Cafe. Come enjoy traditional Cuban recipes in a relaxed, casual, and festive Cuban environment. Located at 3756 Grand Avenue in South Minneapolis. And for more details, visit eatlocalminnesota.com. Try to see it my way Do I have to keep on talking till I can go on While you see it your way But the risk of knowing Well, I want to just keep listening. <laughs> yeah, welcome back to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm Karen Olson-Johnson with Laura Hedlund. And joining us in studio today is Eric Sanarud, who is the co-founder and CEO of Mighty Axe Hops. And 
On the phone is Graham Merriweather, the um, producer of a new film called Farmers for America. And if you want to find out more information about that film, go to leaveitbetter.com. And also on phone with us is Kelsey Love, a young farmer, biodynamic farmer, and her website is heirloomista.com. And... Wow. And so so when we're going on break, Eric, you're talking about, uh, or before the show, you're talking about consumer privilege. And what is it like right now for a lot of farmers in Minnesota? Do we know? I mean, times are are really tough for farms, Uh, almost as tough as they were or tougher than they were in the farm crisis in the 1980s, which was the last big time where we saw a a mass exodus of family farms out of the food system in this country. Um, It's extremely dire. Things are not being done. The, the issues that caused the 1980s uh, crisis have basically morphed into different looking forms and different shapes and are back uh, in full force. Um, and, it's, and it's extremely, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a different time now because we have on one hand the challenge that farmers are facing and on the other hand the huge explosion in interest in farmers markets and uh, specialty food stores and co-ops and the larger brand chains of Whole Foods and, and Trader Joe's that, that seek to really embody some of that transparency and some of that locality that but we're looking some, for. But some, not not holistically. No. No. Okay. So, and uh, like I'm going to say, if you spend money at a co-op, a thousand dollars spent at a co-op is regenerative. It will generate sixteen hundred dollars in the community. And Eric or or Graham, in your movie, you use the phrase "local multiplier effect." Can you talk about the local multiplier effect and as a solution to our current um, crisis in farming? Yeah, I mean it's it's really straightforward. It's basically if if you choose to spend your money at a big box store or a big grocer, a Walmart, if you choose to spend your money to a Cisco, to a multinational, that money is going to go to stockholders. And if you choose to spend or the your old money guards, it might not be stockholders. Markets, I'm, I'm, I'm... Spend your mo- <laughs> sorry, Graham. Sorry, Graham, but I mean, yeah, it actually might be more Oglarks. I mean, uh, China, like one of the things you mentioned in the film is, you know, it, it was it, you China did not used to be able to own farmland, and then it got changed, and now China owns a lot of farmland. There is actually um, a, a Oglarchy that is owning most of the resources. So if we're spending money, um, it's not necessarily stockholders. It actually goes into Oglarchy. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you've got... Smithfield, the largest producer of pork, is owned by Shuangwei, which is uh, a Chinese company with deep ties to the Chinese government. Um, you've got JBS, which is the largest producer of chicken and beef, which is owned by, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, which is owned by Brazil, which has deep ties to the Brazilian government. And both of those organizations, so you have a situation in which the largest U.S. producers of beef, chicken, and pork are all owned by foreign companies and you know that to me is something to to be concerned with um you know i certainly am all for global trade and i think the trade has a lot of positive things with that said when it comes to the key aspects of each country's food supply i believe there's a lot of talk about feeding the world and i i deeply believe that every country should be able to feed itself um, because if you can't feed yourself, then you have huge dependencies that aren't 
very healthy and can be very dangerous between countries. And so moving ahead to the, to the decades ahead, I think, first of all, America should stop changing policies in other countries that make our grain and our milk and all these other things forced onto other markets that put local farmers in Jamaica and Mexico and all over the world out of business. And I think we should set up a global food policy in, in which each country is feeding itself, and then we can trade sort of on a more peripheral level, uh, because that's how you have food security is with each country and each region being able to feed itself. I just love what you said. Um, uh, Eric, tie that to how we're doing local beer, because we're doing local <laughs> beer pretty cool, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, one of the needed, one of the greatest things the greatest hopes that I have for Mighty Axe Hops is the is the ability to bring that distinction of place to craft beer drinkers. Craft beer drinkers love to support local. It's all about the local taproom, the local brewer. But we got to expand that to the local farmer too, one step further. Where do your hops come from in those beers is a question that you should be asking. And it's important too. If Mighty Axe Hops get, like, <laughs> Mighty Axe Hops has the opportunity to say, your local beer is made with local hops, and those local hops have a terroir, a unique flavor, just like in wine, that based on where they were grown, there's unique characteristics that you can expect and you can experience in that glass of beer. And that's such a special opportunity that we have to, to draw that whole big circle back around from the consumer to the, to the brewer and back to the farmer, back to the farm and the very soil where that, so, where that hop was grown. Uh, it's an incredible opportunity to connect people to the full cycle of where their beer comes from. So systemically, a big piece of this is understanding that when things are back to local, it's not purely just an economic issue. There is some, there is some, dare I say, spiritual and emotional connection to being. Local food is, is, yeah, is so much more than a cute little thing when you, you yes. go and buy kale at the farmer's market. Yeah. It's, it is the local multiplier effect, but it's yeah. so much more than that. There is community and there's relationship and there's, there's renewed ties to other living things in your community, but also the soil, which is also alive, but yeah. the things that are non-human. And yeah, those and those intangible things, mm -hmm. you know, those things, those pieces that, that really connect us, that community that you were talking about, that, that, that piece of, of interconnectedness, that is where this large system has spiraled out of control and out of connection, right? Disconnection, lack of transparency is what allows people mm -hmm. to rake in the tremendous amounts of money and the collection of wealth and power at the very top that is and isn't isn't is a the strategy of disconnection is an explicit way to gain more power yeah exactly exactly well, okay so graham you said in your movie uh, that we need to reintegrate uh food and farming into communities so that's what you guys are that's what this is talking about correct absolutely absolutely sure. The, the, the space that we have now, and you brought up cons consumer privilege, that disconnect shows up in consumer privilege. It's the ability to be ignorant, the ability to not know the impact of your decisions. When you buy a 99-cent gallon of milk, that has impacts across the food system. That means the worker who made that milk happen or who packaged that milk was not paid enough. That means that the cows were mistreated who produced that milk. And it means that the farmer who's managing the whole operation was either had to get so big so fast uh, that they're in an amazing amount of debt and they're really tied to the global economy, or they had to get out. If you're imagining that your milk comes from Farmer Joe up the street with seven cows in his barn, we're long past that. And if you want that back, we've got to pay a lot more for our milk. 
pay a lot more, but, but you know, where's the trade-off? Because I think all of these things that we're talking about, you know, where money has become primary in any of the concerns, you're, you're paying, you know, that much less, but look in the other areas where you are actually mm-hmm. paying more. Like, oh, yeah, Kelsey, the... I can hear you nodding. Like, where are you paying? Yeah, yeah where are you paying more? <laughs> Yeah, Kelsey. And this quote unquote healthcare, that's why you're paying for it. People are shocked that there's so many diseases or autoimmune diseases and things like that and but they, they can't comprehend where it came from and it's thinking I think, you know, agriculture has changed drastically since the I mean, it took a big change in, you know, the twenties, thirties and then another huge change when you know, everything just got all, it got mechanized, the industrial revolution. It's just agriculture changed. And it, although the work was easier to do, the quality has gone down and, and we're all connected. Like everything's connected. So the soil's not healthy. The people are not healthy and it's just, it's showing up. It's finally surfacing, but I don't think people are connecting the dots. Um, One thing people say about eating local, as I was thinking about this when you guys were talking about it, was, you know, it's it tastes better, and that's one reason why I like to do it. But the main thing for me for eating fresh food, like I know where it comes from, is I feel better. And when you eat a local, and for me, I like to eat organic and biodynamic food because I feel better when I do it. And when you have a diet like that and you you eat it all the time, like if you were to switch and eat local organic food for three months and you you go have something different, you can feel the difference. And that's not something I'm willing to do. So for me, it's like I'm willing to spend more money in the off season to buy higher quality food because I feel better. And I'm, you know, I'm one person, but, you know, we're all we're all very similar. And let's, let's <laughs> connect the dots between food and health care. I mean, obviously, um, we spend a lot more money on health care because we're eating really poor food, uh, corn syrups that are subsidized by the government. It's it's not sane and it's not kind. But I also no. want to get into I also want to bring Graham in here because there is the farmers in our rural area are really experiencing a huge health care crisis now. Is that correct, Graham? Yeah, I mean, I. I think there there is a a real a silent death that's happening across across America, um, and that silent death is is small rural towns. Mm-hmm. And you drive through these towns and you see the boarded up shops, and you see Grandma Bess's Cafe and the Thornton Hardware Shop, and you see two flowers florists and all of these small businesses that are that are either dying where they're only open a few days a week they don't have anyone coming through the doors uh, and basically these small towns they they slowly sort of dissolve away and the only thing that's left is a post office and a grain elevator Graham I uh, I, so, I I live and work in yeah. a couple of those towns and I think that we need to be careful about how we continue to characterize them that way. And I think a positive way to talk about it that doesn't feel like, well, 
why would I, well, heck, why would I even go out uh, and even think about living in a rural community? I think that there's an enormous opportunity out there. And I'm not, I, I think the community in, in the spaces where I live in Gilman, Minnesota and Forest in Minnesota, um, population 600 combined, um, is immense. And the opportunities where we, we need to be telling the story of people who are in these communities who are living full lives so that we, we don't continue to be these, these this, this, like, backwards, you know, people who, who vote sillily and who don't, you know, the, I, I live on the coast and I know so much more than you. That is a totally real thing that people in my community and the longest time I spend there feel. And we got we to stop doing that. Absolutely have to stop doing that because it's demeaning to them. It's taking away their humanity, which is already being exploited by the economic systems that we have. And we need to stand up and say that you can have a full, excellent, and rewarding life in a rural small town. And there's a lot of people who believe that. Uh, and we are continuing our conversation about the documentary Farmers for America with Graham Merriweather, Kelsey Love, and Eric Sanarud. And we do, we're in our last segment, but we do have time for your calls. 952-946-6205. This is Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Tap, taste, and treasure at Vinaigrette, where we have some warm seasonal recipes all ready to create dynamite meals. Our fig balsamic vinegar pairs perfectly with roasted Brussels sprouts or baked brie. And sweet potatoes are always a winner, but never more than when they're roasted with a drizzle of vinaigrette cinnamon or orange-fused extra virgin olive oil on top. Come in today for more custom-crafted food and cocktail recipes at Vinaigrette, 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis and 287 Water Street in downtown Excelsior. Online at vinaigrettemn.com. Common Roots Cafe is the perfect venue for your next meeting, retreat, or party of up to 25 people. Come see why such a diverse array of community groups use Common Roots as their meeting space. The community room is only $10 an hour, plus nonprofit and community groups receive a $10 credit for food and drinks. Located off 26th and Lindale, make your reservation at commonrootscafe.com and take a look at their local, organic, and sustainable menu options. That's commonrootscafe.com. Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coo. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Shamblot from Shamblot Family Dentistry. We're the fear-free, get-you-out-of-pain-now dental office. And I'm Rachel Shamblot. Did you know a lot of people are afraid of the dentist? You don't need to be afraid of my dad. He makes going to the dentist comfortable and even fun. We don't care if you're a dental regular or haven't seen a dentist in years. We just want to make you comfortable and get you out of pain. If you don't see my dad, please see another dentist. Take care of your teeth because they're the only ones you get. Call 1-800-FIX-MY-TEETH or visit fixmyteeth.us. Hi, this is Ken Hagland, president of Minnesota Hospice, inviting you to listen to our new show airing on AM 950 on Saturdays from noon to 1. Our team from Minnesota Hospice will be continuing our series titled Lifting the Veil, Revealing the Spiritual Truths About Dying and Death, where we share insights on the spiritual aspects of this profound experience. Please join us Saturday from noon to 1 for the new Minnesota Hospice show and learn more about us online at minnesotahospice.com. 
Tom Harmon here letting you know that better energy is finally affordable. With All Energy Solar, Minnesota's number one local home solar provider, you can go solar with little or no money down. Qualified property owners could even see a return on investment in less than one year. Excel Energy's Solar Rewards Incentive Program is available first come, first serve, and federal tax credits are available for a very limited time. Schedule your free solar assessment today. Visit allenergysolar.com. That's allenergysolar.com. So welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund with Ken Wilson Johnson. We are live, 952-946-6205. And uh, what a um, wonderful uh, conversation we're having today about the um, farm system and how young people are trying to change it. And let's review the history really quickly. So um, in the 1980s, uh, farmers were told to get big and get or get out. Um, and Graham, in your movie, you feature one farmer that went from 240 to 4,000 acres. And so your film talks about the consequences of that get big or get out on the rural culture. Correct, correct, Graham? Yeah, and, and yeah, and when we when we right before we got off the break, I was making a long-winded point, which is basically that you have all these small business owners that are going out of business and, and struggling in rural America, and you have all these farmers who are getting jobs as rural carriers and second job so that they can have health care. And the reality is, is that the fact that America doesn't have universal health care is killing rural America because it hurts the small business owners on Main Street and it hurts farmers. And so if, if we really want to get serious about helping out Main Street in rural America and helping out farmers, we need to have guaranteed health care for all farmers in America and for all people in America. And, and Governor Dayton is um, trying to get passed to have uh, Minnesota farmers be able to buy into Minnesota care. So that's an exciting. That would be enormous for farmers in Minnesota. Enormous. Well, and it's all connected. You know, I mean, the universal health care, right? And then Kelsey having decent yeah. food to eat. And maybe that health care wouldn't be such a, you know, live or die kind of proposition, right? I mean, this is really all connected, isn't it? It is. It really is connected, and I wish more people would see it because then we can we can do something about it. We can feel empowered to make the change and work together to do something positive, but we're kind of stuck right now. We're not stuck because we have people like you, Kelsey. Yes, <laughs> true. we're not stuck, okay, who are doing biodynamic farming and saving seeds and looking at heritage seeds and all of that. I mean, you're a bright, shining light. You're a young person out there doing it, just like Eric. I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's talk, and I like that, Carrie. So it's really hard for the young farmers, though, to get into farming right now, right, Graham? I mean, let's talk about, we love these shining lights. We We love you guys out there, but it's not easy is it Check no, your head. It's, it's really hard uh yeah and kelsey or eric it sounds like kelsey you wanted to jump in there because you you're a young farmer <laughs> yeah yeah it is it is hard to get into it i feel like not everybody wants to work that hard for um maybe not that much in return in terms of financial uh, but when you have the will to do it and you have a plan and you have experience You'd think that you would be able to get funding through various offices or, you know, financial institutions to 
to move forward with it. But it's actually harder than you think. Um, there's all kinds of little things that pop up that, you know, help you qualify or you're overqualified and how many hoops you have to jump through just to secure land. And it's, it's really frustrating. It took me six years to do it. And I know there's other people out there that it took longer. And I actually had to change change my plan of what I wanted to do and kind of tweak my vision to scale it down to something different. And I'm happy. I'm really happy with what I'm doing. But if you would have asked me seven years ago, I wanted to do beef cattle. I love cows, you know, but I can't do it because it's too much money. It's way too many, too much, you know, too much resources that I don't have. And I probably wouldn't have gotten. So I just kind of changed gears into something else I'm really passionate about. And it's, it all works out. So It's like Eric with his hops and getting the land, Mighty Axe Hops. You know, I think one of the skills of you guys is stick to it business. Is that a word? you got to stick to it, right? That's one of your skill sets. Don't give up. Well, and nope, you can't give up. <laughs> and like what Kelsey was mentioning, those programs, there are a handful of federal and state programs that look to, to, to make it easier to access the capital, to access the land to get started, but often those programs can be honestly too limited with the cost of getting into agriculture can be very high for land and equipment and uh, livestock. As Kelsey, I mean, you, you ran right into that. Starting a beef operation from zero is an immensely expensive undertaking. And we need things like the beginning farmer tax credit that Minnesota passed. We need things like the funding that's in the currently in the farm bill for programs to train and educate beginning farmers so they have the skills necessary to be successful. And frankly, right now, those programs in the farm bill are under threat. They are. And the average age of farmers in the United States is 60. Half the land will turn over. We have only three minutes left, so I'd like to do kind of a round table and just whatever you'd like to end with or or share. Um, Graham, what are your your final thoughts? And, And give people your contact information where they can learn more about you as well. Well, one model that is in the film briefly that I really want to trumpet is at Polyphase Farms, they've set up this new model where they're getting young people started farming with no money up front, no money at all, no land costs, no equipment costs. And basically, they have an existing market, and then they're actually creating jobs for young people to sell into that market. So they... If you're a big landowner and you have a market, I think it's incumbent upon you to get young people into a farm business on your operation. I think a lot of this is going to be in the hands of the 50, 60, 70, and 80-year-olds that own land right now. And I would ask you to get involved with your local FFA, go to your local farmer's market, and find a way to connect young people to your land. Because if you just sell it out to the biggest multinational you're going to be doing a huge disservice to to America's next agriculture and to America's culture. Future generations, yeah. Thank you. And again, uh, Eric Merriweather, uh, Farmers for America, and people can go to your website at leaveitbetter.com. How about you, Kelsey? Any uh, last thoughts? My last thoughts, I just, I can't, I, I can't help but just say, get out to your market, meet your farmers, know who grows your food. Make that connection. I feel like the, the disconnect keeps growing and growing, and we can we can tighten that back up, and we can make big changes. So go to your market, buy local, come visit me at my farm. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be happy to have you out. Get some seeds in your hands. Where are you, Kelsey? I am up in North Branch, just an hour north of St. Paul. Road trip. 
No tip. And of course, your email. <laughs> spell your email um, address. My my website is heirloomista, so that's heirloomista.com, H-E-I-R-L-O-O-M-I-S-T-A. Well, thank you so much, Graham and Kelsey. Uh, Thanks for having me. This has been a great conversation, and, and what I would leave people with is that is that it is really it really is hopeful. Uh, young farmers like Kelsey and myself and hundreds more across the state, we are huge rural community boosters. We are bringing energy into our state where not only do we keep farmland with in farming and with family farms, but we're also butts in the pews. We're shoppers on Main Street. We're the tax base that keeps the schools and the roads moving. And we're what the future needs. So support your young farmers. Go see Kelsey at the farmer's market. Ask where your hops are coming from. And for, for gosh sake, buy local, folks. Buy local. <laughs> Discover that local multiplier factor. Be so aware of who you're buying from. Uh, and, and invest in farmland and invest in young people if you can. Uh, the stock market's kind of crazy. It's all owned by old larks. Don't, don't support how, the old larks. And how about next time you take a bite, think about it. Think about think it. Think about it. Yeah. Food, Food Freedom, Freedom Radio. Radio. Thanks, Laura. Thanks. Thanks.